Hello everyone, this is Deborah Richardson and today I am putting the AP in Happy where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. This podcast will give a voice to accounts payable team members by talking about the growing reality of cyber attacks in their world and which vendor setup and vendor management techniques they can apply to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Are you or your team performing all possible vendor validations? Do you know which documents have the key data you need to confirm that the vendor you are about to create or update is real? Be sure by downloading the vendor validation reference list. It also has links to all the resources listed. Download at www. Dot Deborah D E B R A R Richardson R I C H A R D S O N dot com. Do you have an upcoming or are you living through a merger or acquisition of another company's accounts payable activity into yours? My guest today, Robert E. Bendetti Jr. is a CPA and he is here to talk about what three critical areas you should be focusing on. Keep listening. Welcome to episode 91, three critical areas for accounts payable to focus on during a merger or acquisition. And my guest is Robert E. Vendetti Jr. and he is a CPA. And Robert is the Senior Vice President and Chief Financial Officer of Life Cycle Engineering. And as CFO, he is responsible for all financial operations of the company, as well as contracting, purchasing, marketing, sales operations, and IT. So welcome, Robert. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about your background? Good morning, Deborah. Thanks for having me on your podcast. I'm excited to be here. And uh, a little bit extra about me is before lifecycle engineering, I worked at a bunch of different industries, which I think is an awesome thing about accounting. And I'm sure you feel the same way. Our skills are completely transferable to any industry, which I think is awesome and is why I recommend accounting to young people. And Mm -hmm. uh, other than sort of work stuff, I like to volunteer my time and I'm involved in the community and stuff that I am passionate about. And I'm, I feel kind of like a lifelong learner. So uh, my wife likes to say I go to school a lot. And so got a couple master's degrees and um, CPA, kind of a non-traditional route to that. And happy to be here on the podcast. All right. So lifelong learner. I love that. That is so true. I was actually on the route to a second uh, master's degree and then I relocated to Oklahoma, got busy. You know how that goes. So kudos to you for finishing that out. 
today we're talking about mergers and acquisitions and really for accounts payable it means additional work absorbing the newly acquired or merged company into like your current operations so we're going to talk about the three areas that ap the team that's absorbing the activities need to focus on and the first one that you identify is digitizing ap which i know is a hot topic now anyway with the recent increase in remote work. So what do you see as critical for AP in this area doing an M&A or merger and acquisition? Yeah, Deborah, so true. It seems like COVID has, has proven that we can work remotely. We can do yeah. these things anywhere. You got an internet connection and electricity. And yeah. I gotta be honest, I, I wasn't always a supporter of remote work. Uh, I was a little bit of a hater. And I was part of the reason some of the places I've worked didn't embrace it. But now mm -hmm. I'm a convert. I'm a, it's like a, a Saul to Paul conversion. Uh, <laughs> to give a little New Testament reference. I, um, I love it. I think it's great. And really, uh, uh, gosh, I don't know if all, but most accounting processes can be done virtually, remotely, wherever. I mean, we have... Uh, hubs and regional offices so it's not like everybody's in the same uh bunker together now anyway right. so i break up what we need to do in, into a couple of parts under the m a umbrella you know you, you you've completed a merge mergers and acquisition transaction you you've signed the paperwork and that's really when the work begins for accounting that baton's going to get passed to accounting and then to all team members including ap and one thing i would lean towards is you got to meet with both your 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 existing team and this new team and look at the physical processes that are being done and where it could be digitized, where it could be, and not just digitized and make some physical processes digital, but also lean those processes uh, that there's always room for improvement. And then in leaning them after leaning them out and, and getting those processes as lean as possible, then automating. And I make that important distinction because I love this Peter Drucker quote, he says, nothing is so useless as doing efficiently that which should not be done at all. So oh, there's I no reason that. to automate a dumb step of a process. Get rid of the dumb step, then automate it using some sort of software to, software to make everybody's life easier. So first lean, then automate. A lot of cool software tools to automate processes. And then a next step after you've leaned them out and you've automated, if your process involves a bunch of different systems, further than automating a process using a software tool, you could use RPA or robotic process automation to make the whole thing more efficient and take out a bunch of non-value added boring steps, make everybody's life easier so people can do better, more important things. And I don't mean robots like a robot sitting in the accounting chair punching buttons. I mean, RPA just means instead of one, uh, this is the way I do it. This is how mm -hmm. I explain it as an accountant, is if you've got a system where right now, maybe you are pulling data out of something online and you're putting it into Excel. A process automation would be just that the software tool adds a feature, you can hit a button and it downloads itself. Okay, that's right. process automation. Um, but if robotic process automation means not only is that working, but maybe you are having to merge data from a completely other database and then email it. Well, if the system could do all that together, download it, 
merge, then email and send out on demand without ever being asked at 8 a.m. to a big distribution, that's kind of a basic example of RPA. And I think that, that those are the, the kind of things are a great project when you've got an M&A initiative and you're working with the AP team. Yeah, and I think a couple of great points there is one, you really need to look at the processes with the other accounts payable teams to see, you know, what can you cut out, lean those processes out, what are they doing that they really don't need to do, and that's especially true when you're doing that lift and shift, you know, um, meaning that you're bringing instead of, you know, bringing those uh, those accounts payable transactions or vendor records into your existing vendor master file or accounting system or ERP, you're actually bringing on their accounting system and ERP and taking over those processes. And so you really need to look at those processes to see what you can lean out and then, you know, automate. And I love the RPA where now, especially again with a, a lift and shift, if you've got additional ERPs or accounting systems you're dealing with, you could utilize, you know, that rule-based software in order to automate some of the processes between those uh, platforms or, or uh, accounting systems or ERPs. So I think that's very key. Now, a second focus area um, is actually a painful flashback for me and any other AP vendor team member that has lived through extending the company's standard payment terms. Oh, that's not a pretty sight. So during an M&A, what are some tasks that need to be done to ensure that smooth transition? Yeah, another important step when you're talking M&A transaction and accounts payable is cash management. Cash management is always important. I think it's the lifeblood of any organization, and it's certainly a chief financial officer, controller, treasurer's, AP manager's key responsibility, I think, is cash management. We're stewards of cash. I, I, I think it's important for us to focus on it all the time, but certainly in something like we're talking about. And I would break it up a couple tips. One would be that you need to review all policies and procedures, not only of your the acquired company, but I think it's a good time to look at your own company and pick best practices. The acquired company might have better policies and procedures than you do. And take a moment to take an honest assessment and pick the best practices. So that's one. Make sure the other company has policies and procedures, read them, pull out best practices and uh, merge them with yours because there might be some great tips and tricks. Uh, number two is I think that you have to, you gotta merge payment terms. You might have the same customer they have. You might be selling the same thing. And not only are you gonna have to do hu huge pain in the butt projects like merging SKU numbers, but you also, have to look at payment terms and they might differ. And if they are different, Deborah, and you brought this up, you, you said extending payment terms and, and, and usually if they're different, you're gonna pick the one that's further out. Uh, but I think it's really important that you communicate early to those, um, those partners that the payment terms are different, you're going with these different payment terms. And I think you got to extend a grace period to small businesses, disadvantaged businesses, minority owned businesses, uh, give them some uh, a heads up that this is happening next year. You don't drop the hammer on anybody right away. Small businesses manage their cash flow paycheck to paycheck. Mm 
And so you can't surprise them. I've worked at small companies. You know, I, I've been surprised. Don't be that guy. Don't be that gal. Uh, give somebody, if you're going to change payment terms, give them a grace period and tell them this is happening, but it's happening next year, in my opinion. And then number two, I would review adherence to the policies and procedures at both your company and the acquired company. I'll give you an example and make it applicable to AP is that I have worked at a company that acquired another business. They were a great competitor and the owner wanted to sell out. We were happy to buy them. They had great people and they had great product. And in reviewing the payment terms, not only was AP not following the AP terms that they had in place to family members and relatives and neighbors of their community, they were paying people very, some people very early. That was number one is number two is the very wonderful person who worked in accounts payable actually cutting payments, uh, um, electronic payments, had been working there for 30 years and her process had always been to cut checks, quote unquote, the week before so that people received their check on time, which I think is very ethical. Now, 30 years later, we're sending like 99% ACH transactions and she is still quote unquote, cutting checks a week early and paying everyone a week early, wow. which is, uh, it, and it it's just, hey, that's what she did. She always did it. That's what I do. I pull who's due next week. I cut checks now. I've been doing this for 30 years. And so it's good to have those quiet conversations and uh, review adherence to payment terms, policies and procedures, uh, you might you might find some. Yeah, and I think that's actually great. Some management oversight might have been good in that area, but definitely during a merger or acquisition, those things will come out and, and need to come out as uh, that transition from one AP department um, moves to another AP department. So on the, the cash management and the payment terms and the changing of those payment terms, I have been involved in where, you know, we're extending payment terms company-wide. And one of the big areas that we found, and you kind of, you brought this up with the M&A too, is that, you know, as these payment terms are, are changing, accounts payables not necessarily adhering to them. And one of the pain points behind that, or one of the causes of that is just the fact that we had like a separate sourcing and procurement team outside of accounts payable. And when they updated um, payment terms, that didn't always get to AP so that we could update, right, the accounting system or ERP, that vendor master record, so that when you know, the, the uh, payment was scheduled, it was not based on the updated payment terms. So I don't know if you have any tips there, but I saw that um, uh, or we found that that was a huge issue between, you know, not adhering to the agreed payment terms um, outside and, and even after an acquisition when that in, uh, information got into our vendor record, because now they became part of, you know, what we needed to keep updated. Yeah, I think that's a common lament is that there's some folks in every organization and they're real good at what they do but they don't always update the system a record or really follow any True. rules yeah. and uh so you know that's how we earn our paycheck is sometimes it's a, a pain in the butt but we're following behind people and we're the adult in the room and we've got to double check yeah. stuff like that and just assume somebody isn't doing their job and they agreed to something without 
finding out the unintended consequences or who they needed to communicate to. And that's super inefficient. And I, I, I hate to say it like that, like, no, everybody should follow policies and procedures and there should be a system of record and everybody should just do their job. It doesn't work like that. So it is yeah. a, I would say, Deborah, I think it should be a part of every manager, uh, senior manager, executive's job at some cycle, at some period to just double check adherence to mm-hmm. the policies and procedures, the things that you think are happening, because often there's, they're not. Yeah. Okay. All right. So the third critical area is cyber fraud. And again, this is definitely a critical area, especially as we continue to live through this unprecedented time that spiked fraud attempts. So what are you seeing as a trend in the current scams and what unique issues should AP look out for during a merger or acquisition? Yeah, you know, reading some recent professional journals, I'm reading that they are reporting an increase in cyber crime attempts and cyber crime success. And I'm certainly experiencing, I don't know about you, but I'm seeing like a 2x, 3x increase in the number of emails uh, that I'm starting to see. And some of them are obviously clearly fake. And some of them aren't there. Some of them are pretty good. Uh, Mm -hmm. And there's a bunch of old tricks that we all know about, and I've seen some new tricks. At least to me, I saw a new trick recently that was yeah. AP related. I saw one where they were requesting, they had ghosted an internal employee's email address, and it, it appeared that it was internal, and they were requesting an aging report. And at first I was like, why in the world? Would somebody want an aging report? And then I, it dawned on me, oh, obviously, it'll have our contact information for yeah. our customers. It'll have invoice information and details only LCE, Lifecycle Engineering Accounting, should know. And they will reach out to all of our customers and requesting to change remittance and steal all our money. <laughs> I'm still fired up about that. So what did you do with that email or with those emails? Uh, Well, it was a training moment. It was like a hot Uh, reminder to me to be vigilant and then a quick alert to everybody in the company like, hey, the scammers are stepping up their game. And uh, number three, I actually posted something on LinkedIn to help my bean counter brothers and sisters that uh, unfortunately the criminals are putting in some overtime coming up with uh, new and crafty ways to steal our money. And I got a call to action, I think, to all accountants and accounts payable team members in particular, is if somebody reaches out to you to change payment terms, that you need to have some sort of dual authentication process. And it doesn't matter how many times they email you or call you or how annoying they are, you follow that policies and procedure and you go to the permanent file of, of that uh, partner and you contact the original phone number or email address not you don't reply back and go oh i need you to uh, can you have somebody else in your organization email me well yeah of course they'll they'll find another scammer so uh whew, i'm hot i'm still hot deborah you got me <laughs> fired up 
Well, what I like about that is you uh, share that with your internal team members because they all need to be notified so they can all watch out for that. Because typically, right, the scammers or the cyber criminals will reach out to multiple team members at all levels. And so if you see that there that you receive a fraudulent email, you need to let everybody know about that so that they if they receive it as well, they know and are aware that it is a fraudulent email. So that part is really um, that, that's really critical is letting other folks know. And you actually went beyond that. You let everyone in your network know. So that was great. <laughs> yeah, I, I really start to wonder, like some as these scammers get more sophisticated I, mm-hmm. like some of them are pretty good like you could just make an honest living like you're working pretty hard you're clearly smart and like there are jobs in inside yeah. sales like a couple like it's just it it frustrates me uh it must be clearly profitable or they'd get a real job but it's super annoying it is and um, one of the things i like to do is i like to post where these scammers or frosters have been caught and so um just just to say yes People are getting caught at it. I know it's not a large volume, but it is being investigated. It is being followed through. Some folks are being caught for it. But in the meantime, make sure you protect yourself and make sure you let your your company, your uh, your network know about these attempts that are out there. And they are getting sophisticated. I did read one thing, though, that said some of the fraudsters will intentionally use spelling mistakes so that they can win weed out those folks that are too smart to to fall for it so they don't waste their time on it. Um, And so they know if they get someone that responds or clicks on the link or something that they know they have someone that they could, that they can uh, uh, defraud. So that that was kind of interesting. I thought, hmm, they're intentionally doing that. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, so they they are evolving in their thinking. (laughs) One, uh, just a, a tip. To, to speak to the sophistication level as yeah. as I am and maybe others um, are we're a little more present we have a virtual presence and for me mm-hmm. it's LinkedIn and people are watching that and as we tried at my firm we're a professional service firm so we try to be visible experts in quotation mark for Robert Bendetti okay I don't know if I'm an expert <laughs> but we try to be visible but the unintended consequence of that is people see when I am speaking mm-hmm. somewhere If I'm at a conference, I'm publicizing it. Hey, come see me at this accounting conference. Well, um, they know it. And so Mm -hmm. I jump on a plane and they're emailing my accounting department. Hey, this is Robert Benjetti. I need you to wire uh, $3,200 to this account immediately. And uh, that's that's an actual example. Uh, And it wasn't an accident of the timing. And so we all just need to be vigilant. Yeah, they're these uh, uh, they're the sophistication stepping up. There's probably some yeah. software tool that tracks social media posts and alerts the scammers when executives are traveling. And I hope I if yeah. Deborah, we might need to create that. Like, and wow. then what we do is here's the here's the big brain trick. Okay, Deborah, you and I create this, <laughs> and then whoever buys the software, boom, turn them into the FBI. Wow. Look, you know what? I don't know anything about coding, but let's let's see where we can start. <laughs> All right. Please reach out to me. It. If you are a programmer, 
Deborah and I want to get in on this. All right. <laughs> Deborah will run the uh, admin. I'll run sales. We'll put some happy in it. <laughs> I love that. You know what? Brainstorming on a podcast. This may be the next big thing. Who knows? Start a podcast. <laughs> Start another podcast. There we go. <laughs> All right. So until our startup is off and going, what other tips would you recommend for accounts payable teams before and after NMA? I'll break this down into three E's that I think is important for AP team members and, and really the entire accounting team, but AP in particular. And I'll start, my first E is going to be education. Mm -hmm. And I think that professional certifications, as an example, are really important for everybody in accounting and certainly AP. But there's, there is a professional certification out there. And even if you got one, get two. If you got two, get three. Uh, that I just think that's really important and it's made a big impact in my life and so it's something I like to promote in others is E for education that that I think is a, another tip and then my second E would be experience I think is uh, AP professionals as accounting professionals I think experience uh, in cross training is really important and n not just AP but learning AR help with collections and invoicing uh, and accounts receivable Volunteer to do a physical inventory count. You know, when the, uh, some of the other accounting team members have to come in on Saturday and do the annual physical count, volunteer and uh, come out and help teach a class on something to the rest of the organization. There's no better way to learn than to prepare to teach it to others. And then my final E after education and experience, I put exposure. And an example of that I would say is volunteering. And whether that volunteering is in professional organizations that you're a member of because you got a professional certification, because you listen to me, or yeah. it could be that you're volunteering in industry organizations. So you're the accountant on an engineering association or a manufacturing association. You could volunteer at a faith-based organization at your synagogue or your church or your mosque. And then in your community, there are civic organizations that need you. They need us, uh, that, that need accountants. They are de in desperate need of somebody on that finance committee. And they would be super happy, big smiles on their face if you emailed or called. And uh, it's important, especially right now, don't talk about it, be about it. Don't spend two hours a day posting on social media about somebody needs to be doing something be about it, be that person and reach out to that professional organization, that industry organization, that faith-based or that civic organization in your community and make a difference. Yeah, I think that is so important, the volunteering aspect. And particularly, I like the fact that you brought up that it really helps you learn. And one of the things that I've recently done is uh, I have uh, volunteered as uh, an education manager for a cybersecurity or cyber safety organization that really relies on volunteers. So, you know, those organizations that rely on volunteers 
volunteers, they need you, they'll welcome you to come in. But I volunteered to provide content because I, I do that anyway. And I really focus on process side of cyber safety within accounts payable. But as a result of volunteering, and it's been a very short time, even in that short time, I'm learning things about, you know, cybersecurity careers, what positions are out there, um, what skills you need for them, other tips for being safe in this uh, cyber threat world. And even though I signed up to provide education as far as process, there's a lot that I'm learning on the other end in the cybersecurity world that I wasn't necessarily involved in. So I think it's a win-win, to your point, for both the organization that needs volunteers, that needs your skill set, and then also for the person because you are widening your expertise and experience and exposure in that area. Absolutely. Yeah. So this was great information and tips for accounts payable that really is applicable at all levels. And similarly to share best practices and discuss current financial issues. You started the Charleston CFO Council a couple years ago, the Upstate CFO Council last year, and next month you're expanding globally with the Global CFO Council. And all sound like really good resources for uh, senior AP leadership, especially now as everyone is still trying to figure out what the new normal is going to be. Can you talk a little bit more about those? Yeah, you heard it here, folks. First, uh, Deborah, I mentioned this to you last week that I was going to kick off a global CFO council. So now I now I got, I guess, two weeks until you post this podcast to really do it. But <laughs> yeah, a, uh, a few years ago, I moved to Charleston and just wanted to find an educational and networking forum for senior financial executives. And I just couldn't find anything that had yeah just a bunch of senior financial executives. And and so I I talked about doing something for a couple of years. And then I, I thought, you know what, I'm going to take my own advice. And I'm going to be about it instead of talk about it. And I just started it with a co-founder who's, who's since retired and moved on, but a great guy. And uh, we've got 350 members in Charleston who meet and we've been meeting virtually and um, for WebExes now during the COVIDs. Uh, but normally have breakfast meetings at, and we just meet for fellowship and learning and education. And uh, we also allow resource companies to be members like bankers mm -hmm. and lawyers and CPAs. They make a contribution to be a member of the council. And then we give that money away to the Educational Foundation for Women in Accounting. And the EFWA has been around for like 60 years, given scholarships and uh, nice. providing mentorship to women pursuing degrees in accounting, whether that's undergrad or grad or PhDs. And it's just a really great organization. And so I thought it would be a cool way for this group of senior financial executives to have like a charity partner and, and give back. So uh, replicated it in the upstate um, a year ago. And now we've got 300 members in the upstate and we meet monthly and do the same thing. And they give money to the EFWA too. We gave just last week, we made our, uh, our our 2020 contribution, which was $25,000. So um, I, I think it's pretty cool. And then last week when I was brainstorming with you, I was like, Deborah, you know, there's really no reason I couldn't do this anywhere. And uh, I feel I'm just being lazy. 
and I need to get, get off the <laughs> stick is how my grandma would have called it. Yeah. Get off the stick. And I don't have any idea what that means, but it implied I needed to, to work <laughs> and get it done. So right. I thought that this this organization would be something great to provide elsewhere. And so uh, what it's going to be is the Global CFO Council. People can join that if they're senior financial executives. And then uh, immediately they'll be able to participate in the monthly WebExes where it will bring great content for educational right. uh, and learning. And then where any 25 or more are gathered in a city, we'll start uh, like a fellowship or a, a mastermind group or what I'm calling a spark cell so people can meet quarterly. And then if there's, when once we get 100 in any given city, I'll kick off the monthly breakfast meetings like I've done in Charleston and Greenville. Nice. And, and I think that is a great forum or platform to provide senior level executives to come and talk about you know, what they see and what's trending in their company and just share that so that the C-levels can start looking at issues as, as a business risk and just see what other folks are out there doing with it. I think that's a great idea. And maybe, maybe in my state, Oklahoma, we can get, uh, we can get something going. What did you say? 25 needed to, to have some focus on, on your state? Yeah, 25 or more in the yeah. metropolitan area. I'll kick off a spark cell for quarterly spark fellowship. Cell. And then 100 or more, once we hit that, we'll kick off the monthly breakfast meetings. So you've got a two-week goal now because the podcast is going to be out in a couple of weeks for this Global CFO Council. So maybe I'll take a two-week or maybe even a month's goal to see if I can get 25 uh, senior finance uh, executives together in Oklahoma so we can get that spark cell. How about that? <laughs> Sounds great. Send them to globalcfocouncil.com. Perfect. Perfect. All right. So thanks a lot for coming on. I know we learned a lot about M&A, the three critical uh, areas being digitizing AP, cash management, and then also cyber fraud. So can you tell the audience if we want some more information about you, where we can connect with you or where we can go to just look up some more information? I would love to connect with folks on LinkedIn. Uh, that's where I like to kind of have my virtual presence. And if you Google Robert E. Bendetti Jr., it's the first thing that'll pop up. I think I'm the only Robert E. Bendetti Jr. in the United States of America. Okay. Uh, there's not a lot of Bendettis in America. And so that's the easiest place is LinkedIn. And I'd love to connect. Perfect. Well, thanks a lot, uh, Robert, for being on the podcast. And maybe we'll have you back on to talk a little bit more about the Global CFO Council and then see if uh, I did get 25 people interested here in the Oklahoma area for that spark sale. How about that? That would be awesome. It would be my pleasure. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Robert. So thanks everyone. I hope you enjoyed the 91st episode of the Putting the AP and Happy podcast, where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Don't forget to check the show notes for the links mentioned in the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and writing a review of my podcast on the platform that you use to listen. Stay happy. Mm -hmm.